0: Now all the Apostle Paul is like, I want everyone to know what's happened. I want everyone to experience what I'm experiencing, the transformation that happens. If you're a follower of Jesus, God wants to move you from having Christ in you, the hope of glory, to Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and now you want everyone else to know it as well. I, w- I want to see Christ formed in someone else. It should, we automatically move from Christ is in me, now I have the hope of glory, and now how do I help other people
1: learn? When you have good news, you want to share it. Well, today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel invites you to consider how this idea applies to your walk with the Lord. Are you sharing what God is up to with the people in your life? Pastor Daniel explains that as you think about how God is transforming your life and the hope you have because of Him, your joy, excitement, and gratitude will bubble over until you just can't keep it to yourself. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Jesus Reconciles.
0: Verse 19 is a deep concept here. All the fullness. When you think about, when you think about who is Jesus, it's, Jesus is the fullness of God in human skin. And don't ever think, because sometimes people think, oh, this doctrine of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, like they're kind of mad at one another. Like when sometimes, yeah, I had someone recently ask, you know, well, when we baptize people, do you, how do you baptize them? You do it in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, yeah, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I don't think if we baptize people in the name of Jesus, the Father's like all mad about that. In the same way, it's like people are like, well, how should we pray? Should we pray to the Father? Should we, uh, is it okay to ask the Holy Spirit for help? I'm like, when you ask the Spirit of God to have, for help, Jesus isn't like, why are you talking to the Spirit? Like, he's not insecure about it. It's one God. Interacts with people in three persons. And so Paul is unpacking with It pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, unpacking a heresy that was going on in the church in Colossae, saying that by believing in Jesus, you dishonor the Father. And don't miss that heresy still plays in some segments of the world today, where that if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is God in flesh, that now the Father is upset with you. No, no, no. It's right here. It pleased the Father. This is God's plan. It was His will. All through the Gospels, you see Jesus saying, I always do those things with, please, my Father. Father, glorify me as I seek to glorify you. I mean, it's, it's, it's all right there for us. But once you realize that Jesus, within Jesus, all the fullness dwells, then it says, and by him, by Jesus, in whom all the fullness of God dwells, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. And so really what we see here is that Jesus's death ultimately is redemptive, that the purpose of what Jesus came to do and why he came to do it was simply to make peace, to reconcile to God all things because of the work of the cross. And then, of course, if you keep going here, it says, and you who were once, verse 21, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And, and so really what we have here is, is that God did a work of reconciliation through the cross. And, and Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 14 to 16, says the exact same thing. Listen, for he himself is our peace, Who are far off and to those who are near, for through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now you hear what's being said there. Really, what's going on is that Jesus' ability to bring reconciliation came through his own death on the cross. And if you think about how reconciliation works, somebody has to pay the price for what has been broken. I always use the same analogy of this. And I, I think it's an important analogy. Imagine you invited me over your house for dinner. And if you do that, thank you very much. Because you know I love to eat, right? And imagine I came over your house. We had a great time, right? We're, we're eating and we're having fun. And then when I go to leave, you, you have a, a mailbox at the end of your driveway. But because I'm from New Jersey, I don't drive so great. Not that everyone in New Jersey doesn't drive well. They think they drive awesome, but listen, if you've ever driven in New Jersey, you know it's a little terrifying, right? So imagine I, back, I go to back out of your driveway and I plow over your mailbox. Now, because I am a pastor and I love Jesus, I stop and say, hey, I'm so sorry. I just totally plowed over your mailbox. Now, when that happens, there has been a, this is a great analogy. You can imagine this happening. Because there has now been something that has been broken, somebody has to pay to get it fixed. And maybe you say, oh, Pastor Daniel, Listen don't worry about the mailbox, I'd love to fix it. Maybe you do that because you very much like things the way you like it, you're a little nervous, It won't be straight, I might choose a bad mailbox, whatever the reason is, right? So in that case, I broke something, but now you're saying, hey, I'm gonna do it because I wanna do it my way. Or I say, oh no, 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 listen, let me do it, right? And then you're like, okay, well, you know, Daniel, you wanna do it, you broke it, you fix it, great, I'll let you do it, right? Then I'm paying for it. But imagine if I just pulled out, I plow it over, I don't even come and talk to you about it, right? But but you're smart. You're a 21st century person. You got security cameras. And sure enough, you look on the cameras, and there's Fusco backing out, blowing the thing up, and I just drive away. Is there an issue? Of course there's an issue. I can't believe he did that. He's supposed to be a Christian, let alone a pastor. What kind of a pastor breaks your mailbox, doesn't even come talk to you about it? See, in order for what's been broken to be put back together, it has to cost somebody something. And because there is this enmity between God and man, because God is perfect and we are not, because God never fails and we fail, there's this brokenness between us. And Jesus, in and of himself, through the cross, in his own body, took the punishment to reconcile us. And what is so powerful is not only does the cross bring reconciliation, But really, as we continued reading down, we learned that Jesus reconciles his enemies. Jesus reconciles his enemies. Because look what it says in verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. See, Jesus reconciles enemies. Now, it's one thing for people who were close, like, like in the analogy that I use, it's not the best analogy, but like you invited me over for dinner. But imagine if I was your total enemy. Like everything about my life is the antithesis of what you would ever value. That I am the, the when you think of it, the person who you like the least in the world, that I'm that person. Now imagine dying for that person. And that's exactly what Jesus did. I see, and that's why I love following Jesus, because when Jesus says, hey, listen, don't just love your friends, he says, love your enemies, Jesus actually did that because I was Jesus's enemy, and he loved me enough to die on a cross for my sins. See, it's such a radical endeavor when you understand the way Jesus is, because listen, we live in a divided world right now, we live in a polarized world right now, and when you realize if you follow Jesus and you understand Jesus, you're like, oh, no, no, listen, Jesus died for his enemies. Everything about my life was in rebellion against God. But while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. You don't believe me. Listen to what Paul told the church in Rome. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, where he says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus through the cross reconciles his enemies. Now, that should bring tremendous hope to your heart because all of us, all of us, have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All of us have made mistakes. Some of our mistakes were huge and catastrophic. Other of our mistakes might seem small and inconsequential. But no matter if the life that you have lived is just has a wake of carnage after everything's gone wrong, everyone's been hurt, or whether you did your best, but you know that you've never been the person that you could have been in that situation, for both of us, through Jesus' death, there's reconciliation. Although there was a relationship that was broken, Jesus came to heal it. And I remember when I was in the throes of addiction, there was no concept of God. And I remember when I started thinking about, and, and God was working on my heart through the death and resurrection of Jesus, when I realized that there was nothing that I could do that could keep me from God's forgiveness if I said yes to Jesus, and it blew my mind. I, like, I couldn't even believe it, knowing where I had been, knowing the things that I had done, knowing the mistakes that I had made. And the same is true for you. Listen, I don't want anybody, I don't want any of you to think that, yeah, maybe Jesus can reconcile all those church people, but not me. listen, no matter how far away you are from God, Jesus can reconcile you to God. He's already done the work through the cross he has already given up his life although in our wickedness and in our rebellion against god we were god's enemies we've been reconciled when a person puts their faith and trust in jesus cuz look what it says verse 21 and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now, notice that. You were enemies. You were alienated. There's wickedness. When a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, notice what it says. To present you holy and blameless and without reproach. That's what the finished work of Jesus does when it's applied to our lives by faith. You went from being alienated, wicked, enemies. And now as God is holy, he has set us apart, made us holy. The blood of Jesus, though we were full of blame, we've done everything wrong. Now we are blameless, right? Although we were completely, we would do a million things wrong. Now we're above reproach in his sight, but don't miss the fact. And I don't want you to miss verse 23 because look at what it says. And I think this is really important. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. There is this need for us to continue on, to abide in Jesus. And unfortunately, as a pastor, you see often that people, they will say yes to Jesus, but will they continue in the faith? Will they stay grounded? Will there be a perseverance in it? But what happens is oftentimes when we need reconciliation, we'll come to Jesus, but then we don't stay. I've always heard it said that in our darkest moments, we cry out to God. And then when God answers our prayers, then we move back to moving away from him. And it's a tragedy and it shouldn't happen. And I'm sure that right now, there are some of you right now that you've said yes to Jesus, but you were actually in the process of not being grounded in the faith. You're not continuing. You came for a season and now you're slowly falling away. But don't miss the fact that what God wants to do is not just a a momentary thing. It's a thing for a whole life. There's nothing worse than being reconciled and then losing contact by attrition, by apathy, where you just start moving away. So the key for us is we want to keep on believing in Jesus. We want to, because God has reconciled us to himself, we are his enemies, we want to stay tight in that relationship. We want to keep growing in that relationship. And as we do that, then we continue to blossom and God continues to do the work he wants to do. So the cross brings reconciliation and Jesus reconciles his enemies. We we are as far away as possible. But then notice what the Apostle Paul says, verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, verse 27, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. See, the Apostle Paul just, had just said that the gospel which he preached, that Paul became a minister, became a servant of it. and So then Paul begins to talk about the ministry that he's doing, this service that he offers to God. But real, what really captivates the Apostle Paul is not The work he gets to do, but it's the message he gets to share. And what's that message? Well, the message is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, the apostle Paul loves that he gets to share this message that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, this is what God wants to do. God wants to take his son, Jesus, who reconciled us to God through the cross, even when we were his enemies, and he wants Jesus to be inside of us, to, to take up residence in our hearts, to dwell within us, and to transform our lives from the inside out. And it's that message that the Apostle Paul is so excited about. It's why he does everything he does, because he loves seeing this Good news, the gospel that he's been preaching and serving, that Christ can be in a person. And as we say yes to Jesus, like the Apostle Paul, we should also be driven by wanting to see Christ formed in other people. See, that's how it works. When Jesus gets inside of you, like when when the Apostle Paul was on that Damascus road, I mean, he had been persecuting the church. He had been going out trying to... Completely squashed the message of Jesus. And when God met him on that Damascus road and made him blind and knocked him off his horse and Jesus took up residence in his life, now the apostle is like, I want everyone to know what's happened. I want everyone to experience what I'm experiencing, the transformation that happens. But if you're a follower of Jesus, God wants to move you from having Christ in you, the hope of glory, to Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and now you want everyone else to know it as well. I want to see Christ formed in someone else. It should We automatically move from Christ is in me, now I have the hope of glory, and now how do I help other people learn? And if you look at this section of Scripture, the Apostle Paul explains to us what it looks like to be a part of that. Notice what he says in verse 24. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Now, do you ever wonder, like, what is the Apostle Paul talking about? He's saying he rejoiced in his sufferings and he fills up in his own body what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Do you ever wonder, like, what's lacking? I thought Jesus reconciled us to God through the cross, through his own body. What's lacking? You know what's lacking? The presentation of the cross to the church in Colossae. They weren't in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. So because they weren't there, unless the apostle Paul suffers and goes through all this stuff so that they can learn about what Jesus did for them, the church in Colossae doesn't know about it. So there's nothing lacking in the finished work of Jesus. All that's lacking is its expression in the world. And in the exact same way, all of us should be willing to step on out and be a minister, serve the Lord by serving people because people don't know what Jesus has done for them. They know maybe Jesus as a political figure or Jesus as a a teacher of riddles or whatever they know about him. But when somebody has Christ in them, which is the hope of glory, and God is transforming their life, then you say, I have to be willing to suffer. It's not easy to get the gospel out. Because unless people see it in the lives of the church, there's nowhere else for them to see it. And so Paul says, I do this for the sake of the church. He said, I wish I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. See, God, as he places us in the church, in the body, he gives us a stewardship to fulfill God's purpose in all of our lives. We're all individual members of God, of the body of Christ, and God wants to use each one of us. And for Paul, it's this mystery that has been hidden from ages and from generations, verse 26, but now has been revealed to the saints. See, Paul as a Jewish man realized that the gentiles becoming part of the family of God that was not part of the story although it was because you see it all through the Old Testament but in common understanding they didn't see what was going to happen and the apostle Paul's like man it was a mystery it was it was concealed to us in the past but now it's revealed to us to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, God's plan has always been to do a work in individual people, to make individual people who are far from God place them in his family and transform us so that we might be the fragrance of Christ. This is why it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, what God's purpose is in each one of us is to shine the light into darkness, to allow Jesus to enter our hearts and transform us. And once Jesus is within our hearts, We know that we have glory dwelling within us and we are prepared for heaven. And what God wants for us as his kids is to join him in seeing this reality run forth in our communities, in our nations, in our world. But we do that by being willing to serve, sometimes to suffer. We do that by being willing to As God has reconciled us through Jesus' self-sacrifice on the cross, Jesus can reconcile his enemies for us, choosing not to have any enemies, but choosing to love people and to be willing to suffer to bring into understanding the reconciliation that Jesus bought for us on the cross. And when God gives us this vision of Jesus' reconciling us to God, then God also gives us a vision to try and make sure that with what's within our power, that we reconcile with other people.
1: Jesus is real. God's all about restoring broken things, but he doesn't just super glue stuff back together. No, he makes them better than they were before. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that God wants his people, those who've already experienced his restorative power in their lives, to be about sharing that with others. He urged you to let the love and example of Jesus springboard you toward reaching out to others, choosing to forgive and not hold grudges, to serve and even suffer at times. Then the people around you will see who Jesus is and be drawn to him.
0: Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com.
1: Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. In the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will look at how God puts more mature and experienced people in your life to help guide you, to show you how to live and what's important. You also explore how God wants you to get involved in the world to turn your concern into action.